0: blessing if you have your bibles turn back to mark chapter 16 we're about to finish this wonderful study i hope it's been a wonderful study to you it sure has been to me and i am really at a uh dilemma because i don't know where i'm going next i mean i might be going to heaven i don't know but uh thank god and i i, I meant to read this letter this morning i was sick y'all probably couldn't tell it maybe you could through my uh, stumbling around this morning but uh it says, Dear Whitfield Baptist Church, thank you so very much for all the delicious food you prepared and brought to the funeral home. Thank you for your countless hours of support before, during, and uh, at the funeral home for, for being there for us during the loss of Tommy's precious mother, Louise. Thank you for the beautiful flower arrangements that was sent to the funeral home and that was laid upon Tommy's mother's grave. Thank you for your prayers. Our family couldn't even begin to tell you all, all, just how much we appreciate everything and how we are so very thankful. Your support, kindness, and thoughtfulness means so much to us and to all of Tommy's family. You all are so very loving and caring. We are t- so very blessed to have you all in our lives and to be a part of such a precious church family. We thank God each day that we are members of such a caring church. We love you all and want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Sincerely, Tommy, Sherry, Bailey, and the whole Grigsby family. And we thank God for that. I know Brother Tommy was very disappointed some of his brothers didn't come, but you know something? We keep working on them. Amen? And we keep on fighting and We keep on. And many, many times over the years, I've seen somebody uh, say they're going to show up and they didn't show up, and they came several weeks later out of guilt. And praise God they got saved. Amen? So don't give up on the brink of a miracle. And speaking of that, the reason I read that letter is because I forgot this morning. But the reason I read this, it goes right along with the message that we ought to have a ministry after the resurrection. and One of the ministries is a ministry of consolation. That means encouragement. And there was a lady at this tomb that was very discouraged. Her Savior had been brutally abused publicly. The only time that she did not see how bad... He was being bruised for our iniquity, was in the darkness of that afternoon. And Mary Magdalene uh, runs from the tomb as the angel told her to. And I want you to notice verse 9 through 14. I can't believe we're almost finished with Mark. Verse 9 through 14, how Jesus ministered to three different people and showed how we ought to minister to people as results of his aliveness. Let's stay in all the word of God. In Matthew 16, verse 9 through 14, and I believe that God really worked this morning, and I want you to continue to pray for some souls that were here for the first time. It says, Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. And after that, he appeared in, a, in another form. He disguised himself, in other words, unto two of them as they walked, and he went into the, into the country. They went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. It's amazing, the stubbornness of people. And afterwards, he appeared unto the leaven, as they set at meat and, up, and, and upbraided them with their, unbelie- with their unbelief, and hardness of heart, because they believed not when them which had seen him after he was risen. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for these precious scriptures to tell us how much you care for us. And now, Lord, when our heart's broken, you're there. And, Lord, you're always there, and we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your precious peace and comfort that only you can give. Lord, I don't know what I'd do without you. And I don't know what anybody in this room would do without you. And the church family. I don't know what we'd do without a good church family. I love these folks so much. and appreciate uh, the togetherness and unity of this church and how they want to serve God and They want to send out more missionaries and uh, God sacrifice that they might get on the field. Lord, we do pray that you'd use this message to help us realize there is a ministry after the resurrection. God, help us not to be guilty as the disciples were for a long time of unbelief. God, may we believe that you're able. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want you to see three ministries that the Lord begins to enact upon those that he loved so much. Number one, the ministry of consolation. Um, look at verse nine, it says, When Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, and out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that uh, had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive, and had been seen of her, believed not. And so, folks, I want you to understand the events of the resurrection. Uh, As we look at the accounts of the four Gospels, that's how you can understand the the, um, timeline of what happened on the morning of the resurrection. Each right already gives different details of that wonderful morning. And uh, first of all, we see... The angel rolls away the stone from the tomb. That's found in Matthew 28, uh, 2 through 3. Then, second of all, the Roman guards panic and flee. Matthew chapter 28, verse 4 and 11 through 15. Then third of all, the women arrive at the tomb, finding it open and empty. That's what we preached on this morning. Mark chapter 16, verse 4. Matthew 28, verse 1. Luke chapter 24. John chapter 20. And then two angels appeared to the woman inside the tomb. They tell the woman that Jesus is alive and to go tell the disciples. That's found in Matthew 28, 5 through 7 and uh, Luke chapter 24, about two angels. Mark just mentions one because he's only acknowledging the one that's talking, amen, or preaching, great, bringing a great message. And then the uh, the women go to tell the disciples who do not believe their report. That's Matthew 28, verse 8, and chapter uh, 16 verse 8, and then Peter and John run to the tomb, find it empty and return home. Luke chapter 24 verse 12, John 20, and then Mary Magdalene comes back to the tomb. That's where we're at now. She remains there alone crying when she sees an angel, she thinks it's the gardener, and she sees the risen Savior and he talks to her. That's found in John chapter 20, 11 through 17, and Mark just gives one verse to it. Mark 16, 9. One thing about Mark, he gets right to the point. It's only 16 chapters. It's an action book. It took me 16 months to preach it. But thank God, folks, here's a book that just lays it on the line. And I see, first of all, Jesus is concerned about Mary. And uh, he gives her the first comfort, the first word. It says, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, He appeared first to Mary Magdalene. You say, well, why was he first? Well, uh, number one is maybe she needed some encouragement because she had been trapped in the worst kind of sin there was, the bondage of Satan, prisoner of Satan. She was in the grips of the devil. She probably lived a wicked life, and when she gave herself to the Lord, she was thankful. And so she came back to the tomb out of appreciation. And Folks, I want to say this. I don't think we should ever get over being saved. Amen. I don't think we ever ought to get over where God found us. It took as much grace to save you in the junior boys class as it did some of you out of the bar. But thank God we're all saved. Say amen. But we shouldn't get over it and think, well, I'm just saved. Folks, she was saved enough to go back to Jesus and go back to the tomb. Amen. You're as close as you want to be. Draw nigh to God, and He'll draw nigh to you. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 29, we ought to seek the Lord with all our heart. Amen, that's our theme. And uh, we shall find him. So you're close as as you want to be, and he hasn't moved, and if anybody's moved, it's you, and it's me. And Folks, we need to realize that God uh, probably uh, revealed himself to her because number one, she was so grateful, but number two, she was the only one there. She was the only one there. I want to say this, there's a difference in just coming to church and getting something out of church. There's a difference in just sitting on a pew and being involved. There's a difference in just praying the prayers when somebody's called on and agreeing with them there and going to a prayer room and being broken before God. There's a difference. It's called involvement. Folks, you draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you and You're as close as you want to be, and I'm going to tell you something. When you're close to Him, He calls you friend. He reveals the mysteries of His will to you. He comforts you, and He consoles you, and He gives you grace to go on. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. It's a wonderful privilege to be close to God. Amen? Close to the living God. I mean close to Jesus, and and where He's moving, you're moving. And what He's doing, you're doing. That means soul winning and prayer and and involvement. Don't just be a spectator; be a participant. Yes. Say amen. Yes. I don't even like to watch soccer. My son's got hooked on it because he's. I, to, I, I told him bec- jestingly, it's because he's a Tennessee fan. He need to take up soccer, but um, he didn't like that. But anyway, congratulations yesterday. But I'm going to say this: uh, God help us. God help us to realize. We're as close as we want to be. And it's not God's fault. If you feel distant in this church, it's your fault. Right. This friendliest church in the world. I guarantee you that. Uh, some people run when you, they go to shake your hand. And uh, you find something to do. You know, you go to the restroom, go get some water. And uh, you say, man, this is the most unfriendly church I've ever been in. I going to tell you something, friend. You've got a problem. Amen. you got a problem. Because I want to tell you something. The problem's usually not... Everybody else, it's usually our heart. The Bible says if you want to be a friend, you need to show yourself friendly. That's right. Amen. Hey, friend, I want to tell you something. You minister to somebody, they'll appreciate you more than ever. But I want to tell you something. You walk with God, it's attractive. It's attractive. That's why I, I, I love my wife so much because she loves God. And she she's uh, very attracted to me, To for me. I just, I love her to death. And she's uh, ministering to all the grandchildren tonight. Uh, at another church, a liberal church called Vision Baptist Church. But anyway, uh, so we see, uh, I hope she, they don't run her. But, uh, you know, I, I thank God for the closeness that I feel in this church. I ain't looking for another pastoring. I know I'm, uh, I'm soon going to be too old to pastor, but I'll tell you what, friend, I'm enjoying every bit of it. Even the problems and the trials and the tribulations, i just rather be on the winning side than be on the neutral side. Amen. The backsliding side. Folks, I want to tell you this, friend. Mary was consoled because he came to her. I love that song, he came to me when I couldn't come to him. Amen. The Lord is so wonderful. He is so kind. He is so loving. I don't know he's wanting to have supper with us. I can prove that scripturally. Revelation 3, verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear, hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him and sup with him and he with me. That's where we get the word supper. Amen? For all you Yankees, supper. Amen? And folks, he wants to sup with us. He doesn't want just to eat with us. He wants to, he wants to, and folks, that, that verse has been used out of context many times to win children to the Lord, and it's not in context with salvation. Right is that he's knocking at the door of the church and the church is so self-centered, so cold and so callous they won't let him in. Now god forbid we would be a church that was so full of activity and so full of things and people and celebrities we don't let him in and let him sup with us, he with us. It's just a wonderful fellowship to be in fellowship with god. On Wednesday night I have been so blessed by going through the book of 1 John because I've seen it a new light. It's the light of fellowship, sweet fellowship. You know, we have fellowship one with another and we, we, because the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin, 1 John 1, 7. And I want to tell you something, friend. All through that book, it talks about fellowship with God and fellowship with each other, how we can know that we're in fellowship. And so here's Mary, been uh, demon-possessed, full of the devil, uh, sin got a grip upon her, and here comes Jesus to console her. After the resurrection, you need to go to people and console them. Now, some people never get past themselves when it comes to church. But folks, if you have real Christianity, Christ moves you with compassion. To make a difference. The Lord came to Mary and said, Hey, listen, I'm alive. I'm real. I'm, I'm reigning. And I'm not dead anymore. Amen? That must have been the greatest encouragement that a lady could ever receive on an Easter Sunday morning. Then number two, we see the ministry of confirmation. Look at verse 12. It says, And after that he appeared into the another form, unto two of them, as they walked and went into the country, into the country and they went and told it unto the residue neither believed they them and so folks we know the story very well out of Luke chapter 24 verse 13 through 35 it's the two disciples on the road of Emmaus many commentators commentators yeah many of those theologians say that that was a husband and wife they got the man's name and they don't know who the wife was and it could have been amen because uh, uh, women were de- described as being disciples also. But folks, Jesus appeared to these two disciples walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And one of these disciples, the name was Calapius, but the other was probably his wife, and they walked, and Jesus came alongside, and the Bible says he changed his vision. vision. He, changed, he disguised himself. Uh, I don't know if he put the robe on and put a... a a uh, scarf around his uh, face or whatever, but he, he came and he started talking to him because he was testing him. He's walking along the road and they walk and talk about events of the last few days and they talk about the crucifixion of the Lord. Here's the Lord listening to this. Then they talk about the fact that the the tomb was empty and and they even said there were some females that came and and they claimed uh, that uh, he told them that he, the angel told him that Jesus was alive. He just listened. I'm telling you, the Lord listens to your heart. And the Lord listens to your fears. And the Lord listens to your thoughts. And the Lord Jesus opened the scriptures and preached to them about the Messiah. He opened up the law, the prophets, and expounded the scriptures. And he said, I am he. They stopped to eat. And as he broke the bread, something happened when he broke that bread that they realized who he was. Amen. And they should have gone to the tomb that morning with the expectation that he was alive. I, am st- I stand amazed. This must have been Baptist disciples. I stand amazed how many times the Lord told these disciples that he would arise from the dead, and they did not believe it. Amen. Now I want to tell you something, friend. I preached over 8,000 sermons in this one building facing this way and this way. And I stand amazed that some people listen to a message and they never come back. Listen to a message. It didn't change their life a bit. And folks, sometimes don't even listen while they're here. They sleep through it uh, or they look like they're asleep and they just seem so apathetic towards the word of God. But folks, I want to tell you something. The Lord didn't show them a vision. He didn't show them a miracle. He preached the word, say amen. amen. One of my friends gave me, <laughs> sent me a, a a video of a man in the C3 Connect. That's that contemporary big Christian conference where thousands of people come, and uh, he uh, stopped the message right in the middle of it. Put his Bible on the bench and started dancing to uh, Timberlake or somebody. I don't know what the guy's name was, mm-hmm. but he was an old man. He shouldn't have been trying to dance that old. Praise God, he's gonna pull something. Amen. <laughs> It, it, tight blue jeans on, you know, he was Cool Hand Luke, and he was doing this stuff gyrating. I thought it was the sickest thing I ever seen in my life, and uh, I thought, man, the Bible's on the bench. That's where they benched the Bible, and I don't even, I guarantee you wasn't the King James version, brother. You go check it out. You go to the conference, but I'll I tell you, it was on the it was on the bench, and and he's he's doing the you know thing to Justin Timberlake. Some of y'all's favorite artists, and uh, <clears throat> I thought to myself, "God help us!" And then there was also flames coming up behind it, like sparklers out of the out of the out of the choir it wasn't a choir out of the platform. And man, it was one big show, and that guy was just a he was. I, I wish I I wish I could show you what he was doing, but <laughs> no, don't. No. I'm too old for that too. Some of y'all too old for it too. But he, it was ridiculous. I mean, he paused his message to, to, to do that. And they all gave him a standing ovation, so he had to capture himself real quick. He says, Y'all stand up. I want to give you seven things you ought to give up. I wanted to give him the first thing you ought to give up is dancing. Amen. <laughs> the third thing is you need to pick up the Bible. You say, You're being ugly. No, I was born that way, praise God. I'm being nice. Is that you should not substitute anything for the Word of God? Amen. And, folks, here he is walking. He could have performed a miracle. He could have turned that bread into gold and gave it to him or whatever. And he just said, he expounded the word about himself. Amen. The word of God's precious. And the word of God confirms who Jesus is. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but from Genesis to Exodus, no, excuse me, longer now. Genesis to Revelation, it's about God. This is God's book. In the beginning. God, amen, and all through this Bible, God, it's about God, I believe there's about 42 chapters or 42 verses, I'm, I'm not sure which, that describes the tabernacle, and folks, it's about God, amen, all through the Bible, hey, if you want to see the revelation of, uh, of, of 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 Jesus Christ, the book of Revelation is about Jesus, it's about God, he's the lamb slain, praise God, hey, friend, he's the lamb king, he ever liveth. He was dead, now he liveth. And folks, they should have listened to the word of God and they wouldn't have been so doubtful. Folks, God uses this book. You ought to thank God for it. You ought to read it. You ought to memorize it. You ought to prayerize it. You ought to actualize it through a yielded life. You ought to treasure this book. Amen. And Brother Jeremy can tell you, and I'm going to let him preach in a couple of Sundays, I guarantee you one thing, this book was paved with blood. This book was printed with blood. People gave their lives at the stake. They were burned at the stake. They gave up their families. They gave up their luxuries. They gave up their freedom for this book. And we don't read it. And we don't preach it. And we don't believe it. Let me just give you a couple scriptures in closing. Matthew 16, 21. Matthew 16, 21 says this. From that time forth, Jesus uh, began, Jesus, to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem suffer many things of the elders. Now listen, and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, how did he end end this verse? And be raised again the third day. Look at Matthew 17, verse 22 through 23. Matthew 17, verse 22 through 23. How did they miss it? Why didn't they get it? Because they wasn't listening, and they wasn't believing. In order for you to get anything out of the Word of God, you got to mix it with faith. Amen? Amen. That spiritual rest that I preached on a couple of weeks ago at your mama's funeral, there is no rest to those that don't mix it with faith. Hebrews chapter 4. And the world tries to bring in their tactics and the world tries to bring in their entertainment. And Folks, there's no peace to that kind of stuff. But I want to tell you something, friend. You can take this Bible in the midst of all your sorrows and all your pain and all the things that... Uh, uh, bombard your mind like doubt and confusion and he'll give you peace Amen. he'll confirm who he is he's alive Matthew 17 22. while they abode in Galilee Jesus said to them the son of man shall be betrayed into the hands of men and they shall kill him and the third day he shall and he shall be raised again and they were exceedingly sorrowful why did they not hear that in three days up from the grave he'd rise. Turn to Matthew chapter 20, verse 17 through 19. just going to give you a few instances. It says in Jesus, Matthew 20, 17 through 19. I love to hear those pages turning. I love the word of God, don't you? Thank you for bringing it to church. Thank you for bringing it to church. Because you you ain't here for a show, you're here for this book. Thank you for reading with me. Thank you for checking out everything I say word of God. It says in Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the twelve disciples apart and away and said to them. I mean here he is teaching just them. Behold we go up to Jerusalem and the son of man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and to the scribes. They shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to the scourge, and to crucify him and the third day and the third day he shall rise again. What a lesson. What a lesson. They're on the Damascus road and God confirms himself that he is who he says he is. He's saying like Matthew 11, 28, come to me all ye that he- labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest." Come unto me. Folks, listen. He's, uh, John 8, 24 says, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins if ye believe not that I am he. You shall die in your sins. Luke 13, 3, I tell you nay, but except of, uh, you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And Hebrews 2, 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation which is first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that hurt him? And that's the disciples. Thank God they got right. Thank God there was a Pentecost. Thank God there was an upper room. And thank God Peter became a courageous a martyr for Jesus Christ. Amen. How do I know Jesus is alive? Because of the change in every disciple. Amen. You don't die for someone that's dead, but you'll die for somebody that arose from the dead. Amen. And conquered death, hell, and the grave for you. And that's why Mary Magdalene was there. Then last but not least, I see not only the ministry of consolation, the ministry of confirmation, but I see the ministry of confrontation. Look at verse 14. And after as he appeared unto the leaven as they sat at me and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Folks, here they are. Later that evening Jesus appears to the disciples and they're eating an evening meal. I've always preached that they were having church. But they were just eating. But they had church as soon as the bread showed up, amen. And I want you to know Luke chapter 24 verse 36 says Jesus appeared in the midst of them uh, as they were receiving the report of the two he had just been with. I want you to turn there, Luke chapter 24. I learned something studying this. Luke chapter 24 verse 36. There was more people in the upper room than just the 11. Here's these two, this husband and wife, they were there. Luke chapter 24, verse 36. Love to hear those pages turning. It says, and they, it says, and as they, let's go back up to verse 33. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and, and them that were with them, saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And They told what things were done in the way. That's the road of Damascus. I mean, uh, Emmaus and how he was known of them in the breaking of the bread so when they got to supper time and he started breaking that bread they, deci- they, they said he, that's the Lord he is risen I, and they took, and then he vanished all of a sudden And they took off and came back to the to- eleven that's up in the upper room shaken to death uh, scared to death and look at this and as they spake Jesus himself <laughs> stood in the midst of them and said to them Peace be unto you. But you know, the Bible says in John chapter 20, he breathed on them and he commissioned them. Thomas was not there. He was skipping church. It's, it's a dangerous thing to skip church, amen? And uh, he skipped the presence of God and God had to go on visitation and show him the ha- his nail prints in his hands. Then he rebuked Thomas and said, hey, listen, more blessed are they that's never seen these things that believe my word. Amen. And so, John 20 20 showed them in his hands and his side. Boy, they were glad. But Mark says that he upbraided them. Strong word. It means he took them to the task. He called their hand. And he upbraided them. He scolded them. He rebuked them. You know, when you ask for wisdom, the Bible says that he upbraideth not. When you're down the valley and you Ask for wisdom, God will not upbraid you. But he was upbraiding these guys because they knew better. They'd been told, amen? And so here he is confirming. He could have gave up on them. He said, they'll never be used of God. Thank God he came and he upbraided them. They refused to believe. And his word, eyewitness testimony of the people that seen the risen Lord, they refused to believe with their own eyes. John chapter 20 verse 1 through 10. And they needed to believe that God said with all his heart that he would be raised from the dead. And Thank God he was rebuking them because they had been told. They'd seen it. They'd seen the grave they They witnessed it. And folks, listen. The Bible says in John chapter 20 verse 29, I want you to look at that verse, John chapter 20, verse 29. He said, um, then he said to Thomas in verse 27, Reach hither thy finger, Behold, my, uh, it says, Behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust into the side, and be not faithless, but believing. Here's the key, and here's the problem with all of us. We need more faith, amen? amen. And then Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Now he's getting right, Amen. Praise God, the Lord came looking for him. Visitation works. Look at verse 29. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Saw the nail pierced hands. And then he said, Blessed are they that have not seen, yet have believed. He's talking about you. There's a big blessing in not looking for signs and signals. Adulterous and wicked generation seeketh after signs. We ought to seek after the Savior. Amen. We're not to be sign seekers. We're to be Savior seekers. We're not to look for visions and words from from just man. We need to look to God's word and hear from heaven. So we ought to have that, We ought to be the evidence of resurrection. I have a favorite saying: We ought to be proof positive evidence of the aliveness of God. I want to say this, friend: We were walking dead men. Here I am referring to Halloween again. We were walking dead men. Ephesians chapter 2 says we're dead in our sins and trespasses. But God quickened us and brought us to life. John 5, 24 says we pass from death into life because we believe in Jesus. We're resurrected. We're alive. So we ought to prove it. We ought to prove it. I want to tell you how the world's gonna see Jesus first in the living Bible. You, written epistles, read of all men. We ought to be proof that God's alive. Don't go down the drain with everybody else. Don't try to blend in with the world and be cool and casual and contemporary. Man, go for God, be different, be holy. Live for God every day Worship Him every day. Be vibrant in your prayer life every day. Kneel before the living God and pray like He's listening because He's a God-answering prayer. And invite His presence into your life every day. And you will confirm one thing to a lost and dying world. He is alive. Father, use the message. Thank you, God. For you coming to these three groups of people with a ministry of consolation, comfort to dear Mary. And God, the ministry of confirmation, that you are who you said you are. And you walk down the road of Emmaus preaching that the Messiah has come. Lord, thank you for the ministry of confrontation. But you confront us with conviction when we believe not. You confront us with conviction when we live like the world. You confront us with Holy Ghost drawing you back to yourself and to your side because you love us even when we fail you. And Lord I appreciate that and I thank you for that. Lord help us to have a resurrection ministry this, this the rest of our life if we look we look around and try to console people, and help people, comfort, encourage, be a blessing, overflow with your love. <clears throat> what a statement that you're alive. And God, that we go along people that's full of doubt, and sorrow, even maybe falling out of church, and don't have the faith to get up on Sunday morning. God, help us to go to them. Help us to show them the love of God, the hope of God, the faith from God, that you are alive, that our whole life revolves around your being, not our being, that you're on the throne of our life and that you're God. Thank you, Lord, for the ministry of confirming others. And God, help us in love, but in your power, To go to people that are full of unbelief and be proof positive evidence that they ought to believe because you're so real to us. With every head bowed and every eye closed tonight, I've been kind of brief, but I want you to know this. Here's the point of the message. You ought to be the greatest Christian somebody knows and the most powerful because they're looking to see Jesus. He's alive. Have you said, Preacher, I know without doubt if I died today or tonight, never see Monday's suns rise, I know I'm saved and I'll be in the presence of God because of the death, burial, and the resurrection. You're happy you're saved tonight. Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony of that all over this auditorium? Amen. i be glad you're saved. Say amen. You say, Why give an invitation on Sunday night? Only saved people come on Sunday night. You'd be surprised how many members of the church are lost. Several could not raise your hand. You'd say, Preacher, please pray for me. I need to be saved. Anyone? But wait just a moment. I mean, say, Preacher, I'm saved, but I got some people that's going through some terrible times, even in my family. Some broken-hearted prayer requests in the prayer room. I'll tell you that. I mean, deep brokenness you know the only solution they have is Jesus and probably the only person they're going to see Jesus in is the one that's so burdened for them that's the challenge of the hour you say preacher I want to be that testimony I want to be that example I want to be that proof positive evidence of the liveness of God I want you to pray for me because I got some people that are away from God that need him so desperately Wasting their life. Letting it break your heart. They're in sin. In the bondage of it. They're like old Mary Magdalene, just just captivated by the world. They need you to confirm that he is alive. You'd say, Preacher, pray with me that I could be a witness to him. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer all over this place? Amen. Praise the Lord. I think it's good to be responsive during the invitation because we preach for your heart to apply the message. Or well, why should we meet if you're not going to apply it? Father, use this message. Thank you, God, for the resurrection. Thank you for the power of your presence in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Bless each person that raised their hand in brokenheartedness for a loved one should use them in a special way to be the witness of your resurrection. I thank you in Jesus name.